In this episode of The Ziegler Show, we're looking at getting valuable insight into how we interpret the world. We all have patterns in which we interpret and therefore respond to the world. And this positively and negatively influences every relationship in our lives, the relationship with ourselves, our self-image, with others, and even with our spiritual faith. So Beth McCord, she is a renowned expert in the Enneagram, which is a map for self-discovery and personal growth based on nine basic personality types. The Enneagram accurately and clearly describes why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways based upon your core fears and desires. So my focus on the show is understanding how to tangibly use this awareness to benefit our lives. And much of Beth's mission is to keep us from feeling any shame or contempt for our styles and patterns or weaknesses. I think you'll find powerful new insight you can use for your immediate benefit in this episode. And if you want to figure yourself out more, Beth is offering us a free Enneagram course at your Enneagram coach.com. That's your E N N E A gram coach.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. Every week, I publish four podcast episodes over three different shows that have been downloaded over 50 million times now. And so much of our personal development and self-help addresses issues in our lives that are just symptomatic and we don't make change. So I dig into the root issues of what will help us achieve the progress and results we desire in our work, in our life, and in our health. This is The Ziggler Show. It's ranked number two in all-time career podcasts in Apple Podcasts. And here we focus on progress in your professional life, your work and vocation and business. In my motive podcast, it's focused directly at you, yourself. Your motives are your reasons for all you do and the root of your behavior and personal ability. In episode 29, I brought on my dad, Dan Miller of 48 Days to the Work You Love fame on the show to discuss the motives of later age that provide fulfillment. And it wasn't a retirement focus so much as just asking how motives help and hurt in the later years. And what came up was the profound value of having work that you and really a lifestyle that you don't want to retire from as your primary objective. Then in the True Life podcast, the key is focusing on your physical and mental capacity so you can do all you want to do and not held back by your body. In episode 72, how to have a healthy relationship with food, because you do have a relationship with your food and it alone is a root issue that influences your quest for health and wellness. You can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. Beth, I've got so many things I want to hit on, uh, on, on Enneagram and personality profiles. But as I'm always curious, you know, here you are, uh, you got a huge following on, you know, Facebook and on uh, even bigger on Instagram. I saw that as over a hundred thousand, uh, people and there's so much, feels like to me so much more demand for personality profiles, for understanding yourselves, even in the like, the like of, or the similarity to, uh, genetic testing these, these days, <laughs> yes. you know, that people want, I mean, do you find that, that we're in this place of people more and more voraciously want to know themselves, but you know, what's fueling that? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think, uh, one of the things that's really fueling it is this younger generation, really wants authenticity. Okay. You know, they want to know what is really going on. They don't want 
people to put on a facade or persona. And we really grew up, especially our parents' generation, like you kept what's inside, inside, you know, and you put on a front on the outside. Uh And so the younger the generations get, so, you know, I'm kind of in between, you know, that grandparent generation and then there's my generation and we're, we're getting there. Like we, we want to understand, but we weren't trained in understanding ourselves. So the Enneagram is pretty fascinating for, you know, the, let's say the forties, maybe the 50 year olds, but it takes a little bit longer for us to dive deep inside. Whereas the younger generation, the twenties and thirties, especially they love this stuff because they're really wanting to understand the authentic side of themselves and who they really are are and how they can utilize the best parts of themselves in the world versus trying to fit somewhere where they don't normally fit. Um, And so I think that's probably what you're going to find because the Enneagram is explaining why you do what you do, not what you do. And so this is really getting to the core of your authentic true self. Which I love the the why, but you're right. So I, I am 50 and even in growing up amongst understanding yourselves. And, and I, I told you before we started, I've done a lot, you know, so many of the profiles over the years, but the disc profile was the main one and understanding that it was still though, you still, okay, either way, I remember at one point going, okay, yeah. So now I know, you know, that's what I am, but I got to go do over this, you know, go, go yes. over here and do whatever. Uh, so you, I read, you've been in this, I think I, I read somewhere like 17 years or, or, or more. What got you into this line of vocation? Yeah. So just to kind of do a quick backstory, Jeff and I got married at age 20, you know, and when you get married at age 20, you don't even know yourself, let Uh, alone this other person. And though we were best friends, we had a lot of turbulence, right? In those first few years. And I know a lot of people do, but you can imagine being 20. And we had both of our kids by the age of 25. Jeff went into seminary shortly after that. And so here we are, two kids, 25, 26 years old. We are best friends. And yet, we miss each other all the time. And my personality, I just couldn't understand what was going on. Like, why are, why are we bumping into this? I just want peace. I just want to get along. And so I just felt like I was struggling all the time. And the harder I tried to work at making, let's say myself better, quote unquote better, it almost felt like quicksand. It felt like I was almost sabotaging myself even yeah. more. And so then that's when some friends introduced us to the Enneagram. And when I started reading up on the Enneagram and realizing, oh, this explains why I think, feel, and behave in particular ways, it gave the clarity that I was really needing for myself personally, but also I could bring clarity to Jeff and say, hey, here's what's going on inside me and realizing he sees, interprets, and reacts to the world from a very different perspective. So you can kind of think of the Enneagram, there's nine basic personality types, think of them all being different uh, sunglasses with a different shade of color. So, you know, Jeff, my husband might be wearing orange and I'm wearing purple. And yet we all think we're seeing the world the same way. And that's why we get frustrated with each other. It's like, why are you doing that? Or why are you thinking that? Why did you say that? Because we wouldn't have done it that way. But they saw it from a totally different perspective and then reacted to that, which then lands on us in our perspective, a totally different way. And this dance can go back and forth. So this clarity that the Enneagram brings on why we think, feel and behave, it changes everything. It helps us to have compassion for ourselves and others. It helps us to have empathy. It helps us to have understanding and to move towards one another with you know, understanding and clarity, but also grace and mercy on a totally different trajectory. Well, and you say that how this helps you, because I will admit, I think some of my early days again, and I'm going to reference a disc profile as a personality profile, because I just was sure. surrounded by that one. And and I mentioned, so my dad, Dan Miller at 48days.com, they're one of the biggest purveyors, I think, of the disc 
uh, profile, but, and my sister, Ashley Logson, his daughter, she runs that. And I know she's really into the Enneagram, uh, as well. I don't know if they sell it at these days, but they, um, to me, it feels like it goes, and again, this is my layman's perspective. It goes, it goes deeper, goes a little broader, uh, in that, but even back then though, doing some of the profiles, it was to understand myself and it was to understand, especially in a marital relationship, how to, re- you know, how to, how to relate to my wife better, and then for, and then later on to my kids better. But you, I was interested in you know you talk about the enneagram type is the first step to uncovering the power of the enneagram as a tool for becoming your best self. And to me, that's a that that goes away segues away from that. This isn't just about knowing who I am. You know, kind of right. the uh, the old pop, I am what I am. And you're saying, yeah. no, this is how to become your best. So this isn't just about who and what you are. It's how mm-hmm. to become a, is it fair to say a better version of your bent? Yeah. Can we say? Yeah. Or like how you've been created to be. Yeah. So think about the Enneagram as your internal GPS. So it is a map of your internal world. And so if you think of like a GPS, you know, it, let's say you're heading towards your healthiest destination. Okay. So I'm in Nashville. And if I'm trying to head to you to Colorado, I have, the GPS has to know my current location, but it also has to know where you live in Colorado in order to get there. If it, if it sends me to Chicago, <laughs> no good. Right? right. So the current location is your main Enneagram type. We use all nine types to varying degrees, but there's one that reigns supreme. And it's the core motivations that are the driving force behind why we think, feel, and behave in particular ways. That's your current location. But your main type has a healthiest destination, what it's like when it is aligned with what's true about you. But often we we believe false messages about ourselves or the world. We, we think we see it right, but we don't. And that's when, like we're driving on the highway, we start to get distracted, maybe fall asleep at the wheel, or we're texting when we shouldn't. And we start to veer off course. And what's that thing that alerts us? It's that rumble strip on the highway. So the Enneagram is also like a rumble strip. It alerts us. Once we understand why we do what we do in the Enneagram, it can show us, hey, if you keep going in that trajectory, whether it's your thinking, your feeling, or your reactions to life, it's going to land you into that common pitfall that you've experienced time and time again. So if we understand that and use it as a rumble strip, it alerts us, and then we can make, hopefully, a better decision to get back on a path, our path, that is healthiest. It's not me trying to become another type. It's what does it look like for me, Beth McCord, as a type nine, which is the peaceful mediator, what does it look like for me to be at my healthiest? Not what type three's healthiest is, not what a type eight. They're very different people than me. So if I can stay in my lane and focus on my healthiest self, it changes everything. And I bring the best of who I am. But if I don't pay attention, I can derail. And I, you know, we do it all day, every day, yeah. right? Like there's these little trip ups that we do time and time again. But if we're aware of what those are and alert ourselves, we can then make decisions. But if we don't know what they are, what we find is we just keep falling into those same common pitfalls and we get upset and we shame ourselves or, we, you know, condemn ourselves or whatever you want to say. And that really only feeds the problem. So what if we saw this system as a wonderful gift to alert us and to help us to get back on course, to recalculate ourselves back on that healthiest path? So that's really, if you kind of see it in a simplized form, it's that internal GPS that alerts you when you're veering off course and shows you your healthiest path. 
I want to take another swipe, 10,000 foot view at this from a faith-based you know, perspective. Mm-hmm. We can all look, as Christians, we can all look at you know, the, the picture of Jesus and say, okay, here's, here's perfection. We should all be like that. And yet to boil it down and try to make it black and white, it's impossible because you're giving equal value to every single type of person. And I, I'm going to assume that in this Enneagram world, in the, in the profile, if I can call it that, uh, world, it's not, you know, there's not a perfection out here. There's not one type better than the other. Of course, we would say that. But I know we, it's a struggle. We can often, and again, back to my, you know, disc days of looking at the D yeah. was the dominant, you know, and often the leader. And then, you know, here are the others that it was, it seemed like, it was hard not to paint that D as kind of a better thing and everybody else's exactly. less, which is total crap, we know. But it's hard to do that now, especially when we come in with a you know a spiritual overlay here. Maybe maybe if I could just ask, how do you marry the mm-hmm. aspect of who we are, who we are unto God? You know, his, our, our own grace, you've mentioned that, you know, yes. grace and compassion for our, ourselves and valuing ourselves with a personality profile. Can Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a perfect question. And if we take a look just at scripture itself, you know, it talks about how there's the body of Christ. You know, there's the heart, there's the head, there's the foot, the hand. Um, you know, there are different parts that work collectively together for the um, unification and the glorification, let's say, of the body. But what we would do is the unification, the glorification of God and his, you know, wanting to represent him well. Right. But we don't want the foot to do what the head is supposed to do. And it's the same here. So if we think of nine basic personality types, they all have been given natural gifts and abilities to represent, to reflect, and to be the image bearer of God. But we don't have all, I mean, we can, you know, like for instance, the type eight is the protective challenger. They're really those leaders, probably the very type, uh, the D on the disc. Um, But does that mean that they're the best? No, all nine types are God created and beautiful when they're at their healthiest. And what we say in uh, your Enneagram coach is we're aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the truth of the gospel. And when our heart is aligned with the truth of the gospel, that's when we know, believe, and trust who we are in Christ, our identity, and the overflow of our heart, which is Luke 6, 45, is that we will reflect him more beautifully, right? But when our heart gets misaligned or out of alignment, that's when we start to do things in our own strength. And we start like, we might know, oh, God's sovereign, but then we start to really control life. And that's when things really start to fall apart. And we start to see consequences in our personal life, our relationship, our work. So it all comes back to, is your heart aligned with the truth of the gospel? And when it is, you are headed in that healthiest path for your personality type, the way God designed you to be, you're bent. When you become misaligned, it's like a sheep that's wandering off and we'll see those consequences. Now, it's not like some other personality systems, at least how we teach it. It's not, okay, go fix yourself. It really is come surrender and depend on the finished work of Christ and what he has applied to your life, which is one, he's forgiven you and he's put on you his full righteousness. When we understand that it itself brings us back up in alignment with him and the overflow of our heart will come from there. So that's how we're really trying to focus the, the Enneagram from a Christian perspective. It's not, 
oh, go become your best self, you know, and do it yourself. It's, it's not the striving, it's the resting in the finished work of Christ. And that's where it all begins. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and this episode with Beth McCord and how we can use the Enneagram and awareness of our propensities and patterns in responding to the world to benefit ourselves and everyone we are in relationship with. Heck, everything that we do. Well, next, I ask Beth about some of the misuses of personality profiles and some people's efforts to just justify their actions based on kind of a I am what I am aspect. So we'll continue right after I share some great products and services with you. For anyone in sales, I encourage you to check out Reply. It's a sales automation platform that streamlines prospecting, helping you acquire new customers and grow revenue with minimal effort. Reply allows you to scale your lead generation while maintaining a personal touch with your multi-channel campaigns. You can eliminate routine manual tasks so you get to focus on value generating activities and increase your efficiency uh, by creating a sustainable lead generation flow that runs on autopilot. You can save up to seven hours per week for each sales rep on manual follow-ups and campaign management. Imagine what you can get done in that amount of saved time and close 10% more deals so you'll scale your outreach without sacrificing the quality of engagement. And I wonder of the claim of saving seven hours is actually a bit stingy as aside from just task time, my experience with myself and others is inefficiency just around the hassle and the conceptualizing of what do I do next? You can sign up. For a 14-day free trial, no credit card required at reply.io. And for Ziggler Show listeners, you can get a one-time $100 discount for Reply with the code REPLYPOD when purchasing a paid plan. So that's reply.io with the code REPLYPOD for $100 off a paid plan. Okay, and I and I am admittedly, Beth, and I, I told you this as a preface, I wanted to hit some high points because I see so much value in this. And yet I also feel like there's a lot of misuse of the personality (laughs) profiles. So one, and this is on, you know, gosh, I I don't even know how to address this outside of a faith-based, you know, aspect, but I have in recent years gotten frustrated with a, maybe, maybe it's a little bit exacerbated by the, the younger crowd these days. And there is this, you know, they want to be authentic and this cry of, can I just be me? And the exaggerated aspect of, you know, can you love me just, just for me? Can I just, can I not strive? Can I not have to have a persona? Can I not be all this? Can I just be my authentic self and be loved for who I am? Okay, so I'm going to, again, admittedly uh, exaggerate the point by, let's say it's one of my kids. No matter what they do, can I just love them for who they are? Yes, but I might not like you because you're being a jerk (laughs) and you're not being loving, you're not being caring. And I look at that humanity and I see people, maybe even more so, you know, amongst this aspiring crowd, that sometimes you get worn out trying to do the right thing, trying to be the right thing and trying to perform. And now I'm saying that as somebody who, uh, struggles with performing all the time. And I have to, you know, step down off that. And it is tiring. And I understand that. But I also know over here, if you want me just to be the base level of myself, you're not going to like me a whole lot. 
Mm-hmm. And how do you find we that? We reconcile it. Okay, mm-hmm. go please. Well, yeah. So what we want to do with the Enneagram, and it's absolutely true that a lot of people misuse the Enneagram, which is very unfortunate. They use it as a party game or, you know, anyway. So basically to get down, boil down to it, we don't want to use it as a sword or a shield. You don't want to use the Enneagram where you're belittling, sarcastic, mean, rude to other people or even to yourself. Like, oh, you're doing that again. You're such a four or, oh, yeah, that's what a five would do. Or or even just being sarcastic and funny, because here's the thing. The Enneagram is getting to the core of why you do what you do. So it literally is. It's bearing your soul in front of everyone, your core fear, your core desire, your core weakness, and your core longing. It's like taking years of therapy and just putting it out for the world to see. This is very, very vulnerable stuff. And and so we want to use it very carefully towards others and even towards ourselves. And a lot of people don't even recognize that point because we can be actually almost, you know, the meanest to ourselves. So we have to use it very carefully. But... We also don't want to use it as a shield where we, well, I'm a type five and I can't go to cross-cultural ministries because I'm not very, uh, you know, too much interaction with people might drain my energy. No, like, you know, we don't want to set up or I'm a nine, which is me. I procrastinate sometimes. You're just going to have to deal with it. That's just who I am. No, the gospel is about transforming into the likeness of Christ. Now, like we said earlier, well, what does that exactly mean? Well, I truly feel like it's how has God made me? What is my bent? And what is the healthiest, most Christ-like representation of a type nine towards him? He's not calling me to be some other person. He's calling me to surrender and depend on him to be the closest version on this side of heaven to him. And again, it's not about all of this striving and work and legalism. First, it comes through humility, dying to ourself and allowing him to work in and through us by our faithful obedience. So there is a sense of obedience and trust and moving towards knowing that he's going to do that work in me. It's not me fixing myself. So we can't use it as a shield. We can't use it as a sword. And if we use it somewhere in the middle, we'll see that what can actually happen is. So, for instance, for me as a nine, nines can check check out. We can numb out. We can disassociate. So if my husband wants to talk about something important in our relationship, I might want to just kind of numb out or check out or not really engage in that conversation. Well, I could easily say, well, that's just who I am. Just deal with it. Or, you know, you're just going to have to go with it. But is that going to bring any sort of reconciliation or growth in our marriage? No, it's actually going to do the opposite. So we can't use it as a crutch or a shield. It's only going to damage ourselves. We have to own our weaknesses. We have to own our defensive strategies. We have to own our false thinking, the lies that we believe, own those and ask Christ to bring a new way of thinking. That's where we renew our mind because growth is always hard. But growth means getting closer to representing a Christ-like uh, image. Well, and even in what you just said right there, what, what did you say when your husband wants to talk about uh, something? Yeah, it could be like anything intense. You know, Inten- I mean, okay. it's a nine. I'm so it, yeah, in that, in that, and so a very, uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, in the same camp as you. And the benefit together then is your husband, in my case, my wife, knowing that, okay, you know, we need to talk about this, knowing that it's sensitive for us and, and right. being that it's, it's difficult and being sensitive to us. Um, 
you talked about, we've mentioned it a couple of times here, the word bent, which I think is a very Christianese word, yeah. you know, train up a child in the way that he is bent. So for whether, regardless of your faith, your, your nature, if we can say that, yeah. which brings exactly. up, of course, the big issue of nature mm-hmm. versus nurture, which I've always grappled with, I should say. And it was, it's, it was a latter part of, of last year. So not that many episodes ago that we had, and I mentioned him to you already, uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy on the show. I'm a fan of his and a friend of his, and he wrote uh, personality isn't perfect. So I am an advocate, a believer in the value of personality, you know, profiles, the disc profile, the Enneagram and whatever. I also very much resonated with his perspective because he's coming from it. I'm going to go ahead. I'll go ahead and pick on, uh, you know, James clear with atomic habits and, uh, Charles Duhigg with, uh, what is his habit? Uh, the power of habit, you know, as well. And, and, uh, what Ben is doing is essence saying that, or making the case for how much of our personality is trained, you know, is mm-hmm. our daily habits. And I just looked at that and Beth, you're a mom and I look at my kids. So I've got I've got nine kids, but seven, I'm going to go with the biological ones because they're the ones that I've had since birth. So these kids were birthed out of us. It very much uh, wrecked to some degree how much of a nurture camp I was in. To see Mm -hmm. these kids come out, obviously different genders and different sizes, but to see their innate bent, uh, but, or and, let me say and, not but, and, as they are now, uh, let's see, my youngest biological guy is 10 and oldest is 25. And mm-hmm. I also see striking similarities yes. in some of their behaviors, their values, and what they would cite as their personality style. And I'm going to look at it and go, yeah, guys, come on. You can't ha- all have the same. I mean, how much of that? I brainwashed you guys. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yes. And, and you need to be aware. It's been a big uh, soapbox of mine in recent years is I, I can't help but brainwash you guys. I'm so sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. And And that's actually what our parenting book will be about is, and it's not like we're brainwashing because the whole point of brainwashing, but as a type nine, I have very particular values that I hold very dear. I think everyone should be kind and peaceable and respectful and listen to everyone. And everyone should have a place at the table because everyone should matter. Well, the type eight, you know, they might think differently. They like, they, so I want to raise kids as little angels and all these kind people and empathetic and compassionate, accommodating little, little Beths, you know, but a type eight might think, no, I want a warrior. I want a child that's going to fight for themselves mm-hmm. and fight for the unjust. And, and I'm thinking uh, that never comes to my mind. It doesn't mean that my way is right and their way is wrong. We see parenting from a very different perspective. And how can we bring, one, the best parts of who we are, but also where can we own our weaknesses as a parent? So, you know, I over-accommodate. I people-please. That, in some ways, can be a healthy thing if it's aligned with the truth and I'm, I'm just being flexible and patient and kind with people. But if I'm a doormat, that is not helpful. And that's not training my child in a way that's actually beneficial to me or them. And so I, and to go back to your point, I totally believe that we are born with our personality perspective. Basically we're born with a a lens on our, on our eyes and we're seeing and interpreting and reacting to the world based on that 
that temperament, that personality. And as you said, you have nine children, you know that they all came with a certain energy, a certain perspective, a certain persona that they just naturally put out in the world. But my kids, yes, they have a, a, uh, influence of a nine because their mom is a nine that doesn't make them a nine, but they have this overlay of the type nine in their life. And so it's very interesting if I had raised, you know, the same two kids, but I was a type seven, it's going to be a very different overlay on their life, but it doesn't make them that personality. But how do you reconcile, use that word a minute ago, reconcile that because I have and again, I'll, I'll be candid with this. I took on, I embraced a performance mentality as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, my yeah. parents did what they did, good, bad, whatever. But I, I take ownership. I embrace that as my identity. And I wanted people to like me. I don't like conflict. And I really embraced it to the point of where I can look now. And even at 50 with all this, you know, awareness, there's somewhere I look and go, I, there's some pieces where I don't know who I am naturally out of the womb. I had so much I'm going to call it brainwashing, you know, good, good and bad, whatever, but for my, my parents. And then what I did to myself by back to, you know, Ben Hardy, by the, the habits that I chose to do every day and the persona that maybe I wanted to achieve that now here I am seeking this awareness. And there's some aspects to where, gosh, I, I'm a little fuzzy on who am I really? What if I trained myself to be, as opposed to what was I naturally. And I tend to, at this point, just try to try to really be aware of the, um, well, I guess what you would call misalignment, you know, where am Mm -hmm. I not at peace with myself? There's probably something going on there, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that goes down to, so we talked before the show was on that you're kind of teetering between type nine and type three. And what you described really explains kind of the two of them for different reasons. Um, and again, our personality type hinges on core motivations. There's four of them. You have a core fear you're trying to run away from and prevent. You have a core desire that if you just get this, life is going to be just perfect. That's what we think. We have a core weakness. This is the passion, the deadly sin, our Achilles heel that's constantly tripping us up. And we have a core longing. This is the message your heart longs to hear. And so what we want to look at is, okay, why did you achieve? Why did you put on a persona, a type nine? So we'll just go with what you kind of, you've kind of landed on these two types. A type nine is going to put on a persona to keep the peace, to go along, to get along, to make others happy, that we're always trying to find a way to make everyone happy or pleased with us. The type three is looking for accolades, for it being admired, to have accomplishments, to be seen as having high status and high regard. And so, you, as you can see, they can sound similar, but there's a little bit of difference there. The, the nine isn't necessarily wanting attention. They're wanting to kind of almost not completely blend in the background because there's a, a wide variety of nines. But we're not looking to be out in the spotlight because, in fact, we actually think our presence doesn't matter much. We, we long to know that our presence matters, but we think, oh, everyone else is more important. Whereas the three wants to be seen as the most important, to be seen as the achiever, the accomplisher, the one who got the the first place or the gold medal. That is what the the three believes. You'll love me. You'll value me if I've accomplished. 
accomplished and you saw my accomplishments. Whereas the nine is more about like, are you happy? Did I do good enough? Are you pleased with what I'm doing? Are, you know, because anything that's disgruntled, tension, discord, that just totally um, upsets the system of the type nine. Whereas the three isn't as concerned with that. They're really concerned. What do you think about them? What is their image? So just even between those two things, what kind of hits you more at the core? They sound, but first light, it sounds schizophrenic, uh, a, a yeah. little, a little bit, but then I can see, yeah, I can see the similarities. I mean, I am, um, I am unhealthfully conflict averse Yes, and to the point of wondering, I, I, you know, why, why, which maybe doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Um, no, it does matter. Actually. It, it really does. Cause, and, and here's the thing. So as the type nine, the type nine doesn't know themselves very well because we have basically taken everyone else's likes, desires, agendas and flooded ourselves out. So we're really focusing on everyone, what everyone else wants. Now it sounds very three-ish too, but the three knows what they want and they go and they achieve it. So, um, you know, for instance, like, and I think we're, we have mutual friends, Michael Hyatt, yeah. you know, he is like a perfect quintessential three. He's amazing. And he knows what he wants and he sets out to get it. The type nine, it takes them a long time to really get through the, the internal fog to really know what they want. So if you looked at a, three, a, a nine, you said, hey, well, what do you want in the next five years? <laughs> Nine's going to have these big eyes and like, I don't know, you know, like, what do you what do you want me to, to want in the next five years? Whereas a three will probably already have it all mapped out. And there are only going to be options they know that they can succeed at. Whereas the nine is open to what others are wanting or the agendas that others might pop in. Yeah. And so the, the nine is much more of a, an accommodator because they fear conflict, especially conflict directed at them. Whereas the three is, is it's not that they're looking for conflict, but they'll deal with it as long as they can proceed on the path of achieving what they've set out to achieve. Let me ask this when you look at, you know, cause anybody can go and, and take the Enneagram and get some awareness on themselves. What generally are there some ingredients that tend to cause more confusion for some than others? Let me ask that. I mean, there's gotta be, of course, you know, what, when you, when you take these, what, I mean, you got to have some people, I remember this again, back in the, the disc days of people taking it and you think, man, I don't think you took it in the right mindset even. I mean, you could thwart mm-hmm. those yeah. things just by the, the perspective you come to them with. And I got to the point of taking so many different ones that I thought, oh, well, I know I couldn't hardly answer it. Right. You kind of already knew genuinely. what they were asking and yeah. 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 Well, With the Enneagram, you're wanting to look at why you've done what you've done or thought or felt majority of your life, especially kind of in your early 20s or mid 20s, you know, when you're just kind of on autopilot, you're just kind of living life, you're reactive. Um, The older we get, hopefully, but not always, we've learned a few lessons and we've really started to grow and transform in life. And that can make it actually a little trickier to find your main type. But it's when we're not at our healthiest that the Enneagram really pops up and shines. It's not because it's trying to focus on the negative. It's focusing on really the transformational process. But the more healthy you are, the more less constraint you are to use your personality's defense mechanisms. And so it's almost a little easier to look at a stage of your life where you're slightly activated or not at your best, but you don't want to look at it when you're really struggling, because when you look at the Enneagram symbol, it's a nine pointed star. And each point or each personality type is connected to two other personality types. And you can take on some of their attributes when either you're struggling or you're growing. So for instance, as a type nine, I can actually move to the type three 
when I'm doing well. So the type nine, who's like, I don't know what I want all. And I don't really matter. Or I don't have very much confidence. All of a sudden I can channel in some of the healthy aspects of the three and I can get focused. I can become more driven. I can set goals and then I can go achieve. So I'm bringing in some of the aspects of the three, but I'm not a three. I still have the core motivations of a nine. And that's where it can get a little tricky. And especially if I'm struggling, I'll move to some of the unhealthy aspects of six, where I get all anxious and worried and testy and thinking of worst case scenarios. And if I'm in a place in life, let's say, let's say COVID, you know, things are uh, upside down and I'm more anxious than I've probably ever been, let's say in this season of life. Well, taking the test and only focusing on this year could be tricky. You know, I might test out as more of a six because of that stressful situation. Right. So you kind of want to take the test and looking at kind of the whole of your life versus just one little um, snapshot of it. Well, and to that degree, it almost seems relevant to have, well, what would it be to have someone else take it for you? I would say it would be great to have some feedback, but the yeah. Enneagram is all about why you do what you do. And no one else can truly know why you do, but you can ask reflective questions, especially the type nines. Again, they live with this internal fog. So if you are a nine, it might be like, gosh, I can't see this very well. And so let's say you ask your wife, like, hey, what have you seen in this category? But we can't just take their word. We have to land on ours. Um but also type sixes. Sixes are the ones that will say, well, it depends because they see both sides to any situation. And so for them, it can be kind of tricky to land on their type for quite a while. What, when you're looking, I mean, this is your world, Beth, you're seeing, I assume, just like as we all do through our vocational focus, we have this filter that we see everything. When you're in the average social engagement or, or whatnot, what are some of the telltale signs of someone who would say, man, they, they are not aware of themselves. What are some top tier yes. signs? Well, and I think this kind of goes with, you know, across just the board, but anyone that is going to defend themselves, blame shift, uh, put judgment on others. Basically, if you're not willing to own your own stuff, you're not in a healthy space. Now that doesn't mean you have to own every little, you know, um, issue that you've ever had in your life, but it's, if people are pointing out to you some habits or uh, some attributes of yourself that, you know, are causing issue, if you're not able to be there in their presence and to listen and then to take that and grow, I would say you're probably more unaware because it doesn't mean that you have to believe what they say and what they said is actually true. But if you're not aware, you can't even bring clarity to the situation. So like my husband and I, if we go back to that example, when he wants to talk about something, he just naturally gets more passionate and intense. And it doesn't mean that we're in conflict. It doesn't mean he's upset with me, but it lands on me. The, the energy lands on me as disruption and it's uncomfortable. So we can have that conversation instead of me wanting to get up and walk away or not interacting with him. I can say, hey, your passion is starting to affect me and I actually want to shut down, which to him and his personality type, it lands on him as abandonment, which is one of his greatest fears. So if I start to do that and I don't clarify, 
he's going to feel that I'm abandoning him, which only makes him more big and more passionate. And this cycle just makes it worse. Right. And so by bringing clarity and saying, Hey, here's, here's where I'm struggling. So owning my own stuff, I know that we can have a, a, a great passionate conversation and it not be conflict, but it's going to be hard for me. Can we do it in this manner? So I'm owning my stuff and I'm asking for what I need, but then he can also own his stuff. Ah, you're right. You know, I'm getting kind of passionate again. You know, let me kind of dial this back just a little bit. Um, and so we try to meet somewhere in the middle. So again, if you're not willing to own your own stuff and know that there's a safe place for you to, especially as a Christian, that we are um, forgiven and we are free in Christ, then we don't really understand how this all operates and works. So the more you can rest in the finished work of Christ, the more you can actually move in a healthy direction because you can own your own stuff. You can ask for forgiveness. You can bring clarity to the situation. And then again, recalculate into a more healthy direction. Some of that that you just walked through there for some people has got to open up some areas and levels of brokenness Mm-hmm. that's going to need more. I, I yes. imagine that's part of your business there. And, and as you go out and deliver this to people that some of them find I me, mean, I've got some things that are coming up here that need some deeper work. Oh, absolutely. Actually, Jeff and I, we go to our counselor for two hours every Monday, The two, both, both, either both of us together or separate. And it's not because we're always in this crisis. We just know that having a business and being married, there's going to be things that come up or there's things that we haven't worked on in the past that we need to, to recognize. But yes, what I would say, either coaching, coaching is taking someone you know, from where they're at and helping them to move forward in life counseling is taking someone from where they are looking back and helping to heal any kind of wounds or traumas that have happened. And so with the Enneagram, what you're going to find is that there's false messages that our personality naturally believes. It's like this record player in our mind. And either someone has told us these things directly, or we've interpreted their um, interactions with us as a young kid in this manner. So for instance, when my, when I was a little girl, like five years old, and I was wanting to sell little trinkets that my dad was a doctor and he got these uh, uh, drug rep little things. And I went door to door to my neighbor selling them for five cents. To me, I thought I'm being an entrepreneur. This is awesome. Like everyone should be proud of me, you know? And I got like two sales and then my mom saw and called me back in. And for her personality, that was like, she felt great shame that I'm going door to door selling these little things. But had she been another personality type, she might've been like, Hey, go you entrepreneur, little girl, you know? But what, how it landed on my heart as a type nine, the, one of the core messages, the wounding messages is don't assert yourself. Mm. Now, my mom was not trying to say that, but as a nine, that is, that is just a core lie that we, that operates in us. And so I can point back to certain things like, oh yeah, that's what that message felt like. Oh, I better never do that again. I didn't, you know, I upset my mom or she felt great shame, but that's not what she was trying to do. But that's the message that I heard. And so I need to go and work that out with someone who is well-trained and I can verbalize to them, hey, as a type nine, here are some of the things that I know I naturally struggle with. Yeah. Can you help me get to a healthier place? But then I can use coaches who are like, yeah, let's take you from where you are and move you forward. So there, there are two different camps that you can use really well. So that question that I, that I ask of where do you see the telltale signs of somebody who doesn't, you know, let's flip that then and say, yeah. what are the telltale signs that you see as somebody who is functioning well in yes. this awareness? 
Yeah. So, and actually just to kind of piggyback, or just go a little bit further back, there's a lot of materials out there that will show you exactly, there's books out there that will show you exactly what that type is like when they're at their healthiest. And there's like nine different levels and it shows you all the way down to their most unhealthy level. So basically you're getting into personality disorders and things like that. And so again, you can take that same resource and go the opposite direction and see, okay, where am I on this spectrum? And again, to be able to own where you're at. And it's hard because we want to naturally our flesh wants to heap on shame and self-condemnation. But again, as a believer, I can go, okay, these aren't great, but I know that I am free in Christ. Everything that I need, he has accomplished. So now what do I do? Okay, I'm struggling at, let's say, this kind of level. I can see some of these not so great attributes. And then I can start praying for those healthier attributes because I'm seeing them. So for instance, a nine, one of the healthiest attributes is to have an indomitable spirit. I mean, when I first read that, I was like, there's no way on this planet I could ever experience that. But it's taken me years and just praying through that and letting the Holy Spirit uh, use that in my life. Well, now I own a thriving business and we get pushback and it hurts like the Dickens when we get pushback on certain things. But I have to learn how to have that indomitable spirit to rely on him, to, to keep walking the path that he has called me in. And so again, it's not, oh, look at Beth, she's doing it. It's I'm relying on the Holy Spirit to keep me moving, to keep me yeah. growing, to keep me transforming. And so there are a lot of resources out there that will show you, again, where you're at your healthiest and all the way to unhealthy, that big spectrum, so that you can kind of be aware. It's kind of like taking your temperature, like, where am I? How am I doing? And we want to always use this to point us back to Christ, not to bring shame. Okay, so on that aspect of shame and looking through, I think of some of the you know Facebook or Instagram postings, you had a bunch of stuff recently about owning your weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it seemed to come from more of a having grace for yourself perspective. But with any of these, you, you know, you, yeah, you're looking at the strengths and the weaknesses. And again, even looking at the personality styles, I know that uh, someone close to me took and taken the, the Enneagram initially was uh, disappointed in some of the mm-hmm. results, you know, from that. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> if, so- if, if you, if you are not disappointed or sad or shame or want to crawl under a blanket when you find your type, you probably didn't find your type because the Enneagram is a non-judgmental friend and it is clearly showing you your highs and your lows. But what do we do as humans? We naturally hone in onto those weak spots, the things that aren't so great in us, we just hone in. And all of a sudden we think the Enneagram is all about, you know, our weaknesses or how uh, terrible we are. Well, no, it's just that you naturally focus in on that. Um, But that's where grace, that's where understanding the scriptures, understanding what Christ came and what he's doing in and through us, where he's taking us is so important. So I think what you're uh, referring to is I um, was interviewed for an article and I really was just talking about as a leader of a business and having 20 some um, employees or contractors underneath me, I'm a type nine, (laughs) the conflict avoider. Now I have a strong eight wing in my life, but you can... Most people would say, if if you were just to look at all the personalities and say, which would be a great leader, most people are not going to point to the nine. But what I want to challenge people on is like, no, I am actually a great leader because I let all my team to excel at what they're great at. I let them have a voice at the table appropriately, but I also know where I'm weak. 
I know that sometimes when conflict comes up, I just want to quit whatever that is. And I need my team to step in the gap. I need my team to encourage me or to show me another way to do it. Um, and so what I need to do is not to say, oh, if I'm a nine, I have to be the best leader of, and do it all. No, how has God gifted me as a type nine to be a great leader, but also where am I weak? And that is just honesty. That's authenticity. It's vulnerability. It's a lot of what Brene Brown says, you know, if I can be vulnerable with my team and say, Hey, Susie, she's my COO. You are type eight. You're my champion. You're my protector. You're my leader. I want you to, to reflect back to me in a nice way. Cause nines are very sensitive. Reflect back to me in a nice way. When you see that I want to pull back or I want to disengage, or I want to um, like quit something and reflect back to me and ask me and draw me back out and to encourage me. That's what a nine needs. That's not what she needs as a type eight. She needs something completely different. But so we can train our team, we can train our staff, we can train our family, how best to encourage us, to love us so that we continue on that best path. We're not alone in this process. Let me, let me ask this too. You, you said the word authenticity again, that keeps coming up. Back with the disc profile, I know that in some of the formats that you would take it, you would get the, this is who you are naturally, how you are naturally, mm -hmm. and this is your modified. And I saw people go through that and some of them were very much, I mean, who they are is just who they are. And that yep. wasn't me. I was pretty modified. And at the time, again, yep. just an admission at the time, I thought, well, that makes sense to me because, you know, you do need to kind of back to my thing of, you don't love me just the way that I am. Well, I, you know, I do think that we need to step up to be our best selves oh, sure. uh, in that way. So is that modified? Is that, is that, cause the argument is, well, that's not being authentic. And so no, I, it's, it's all yourself. Here's a, here's a great example. So when we talk about aligned to misaligned and out of alignment, yeah. each personality. So think of that as like a column, you know, so at the very top of the column is the healthy all the way down to the unhealthy. Each personality has this like column of health to unhealth. And at their very healthiest, they're going to look very different than when they're unhealthy. And I'll give a great example with the type eight. So the type eight, a very healthy, and of course, this is all, you know, not everyone's perfect. And then they're going to have lots of issues and kind of saying, you know, oh, well, this person, you know, they have this issue or that issue. But in general, a healthy eight, we, you know, they're called the protective challengers. And a lot of people will say, oh, they're like a bulldozer. And I'm like, no, they're a snowplow. Like the snowplows that you have in the Midwest and the North have these big diesel snowplows. Without them, we would go nowhere. But we need them to be in front of us, not behind us and not nicking us on the side of the road. So they have to be aware of their strength and their tenacity and their intensity and how they're going to benefit us. So a healthy eight, a, a snowplow, a great example is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was the snowplow that plowed a path. There was lots of people in the civil rights movement, but he represented mm -hmm. the person that was taking the brunt force of the opposition, right? Now, that here you have that example of a more healthy eight, all the way down to someone like uh, Stalin, who would be an unhealthy eight very, very different looking people because of their health, their levels of health. Okay. And so that's where it can be like, so for me, when I'm fully engaged in life, I can write books and I can produce stuff and I'm out there and I'm actually doing an engaging life and bringing blessings to people by voicing and asserting myself. A type nine that's not is going to be more catatonic, basically. They're just going to be numbed out, checked out and just a doormat. 
That's a very different person. Even though their core motivations are the exact same, are they doing it from a healthy, aligned part of their heart or a misaligned or out of alignment part of their heart? Interesting. So let's take that being in health aspect and yet like the eight you talked about in essence, but then put them in different circumstances, even throughout a given day that here they are in health as a spouse here. They are as a parent, maybe even a parent doing homeschool. Okay. Here they are (laughs) in a social group of friends. Here they are at church and here they are in the workplace. Is there room to healthfully still modify in each? Okay. Tell us about it. Yeah. And that's what's so great is that, and we do, we show up differently in different areas. But again, if you go back to the core motivations, you'll see that at the core, the, the type is the same, but when you are, let's say as, um, I'm trying to think of another personality type. So as a type six, like my husband, so as a type six, the loyal guardian, when he is at home, he is very loyal and dutiful, but he might have parts of him where he goes out and plays with his friends, where he can be a lot more playful and um, sarcastic. So we, we do take on different aspects and that goes to the structure of the Enneagram. And that would take us literally all day to go through. But basically when you look at the Enneagram symbol, like I said, it's a nine pointed star basically. And each of the lines again, represent you moving in different directions, taking on aspects of different types. And then you have also the numbers next to you. And those types are called your rings and you take on their Uh, flavors and aspects. So like you were saying, a nine and your kids think maybe an eight wing. So you might take on more of the flavor of some eight, but you're still a nine. It doesn't mean you're going to be an eight. You're going to go plow people over. But as a nine with a little bit of an eight wing, you might have a little bit more gusto than a nine that doesn't. Um, And so depending on the situation we're in, will really determine on how we're doing. That's why the Enneagram is so great because it shows the fluidity of us humans. You know, we're not just, you know, the exact same at home and the exact same, you know, because let's say some people struggle at work and they might become uh, less healthy because they're under a lot of pressure, but then they go home and their family reveres them and they have the greatest time. Maybe their best comes out or vice versa. This, but what's going to happen, this is why it's so great to have the Enneagram is it's going to map out for you what's going on. And so by understanding, oh, like I said earlier, for me as a nine, oh, I'm under stress. I'm taking on some of those anxious, uh, worst case scenario thought processes as a six. I can see what's going on. So I can also tell my family that when we were late to get to the airport, it was eight o'clock in the morning. You used to live here in Franklin. You can imagine trying to get from Franklin to the airport at eight in the morning. You're running late. Bad scenario. So I'm thinking I'm thinking of all worst case scenarios, all the school zones, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm irritable and anxious and all these things. And my family hadn't done anything wrong. I was actually the one that was late getting up. And so in the middle of the drive and being kind of testy, I just stopped and I realized, oh, I'm kind of operating out of that six part that comes up when I'm anxious and worried. I'm not a six, but it comes up. And so I admitted it. I asked them for forgiveness. I asked them to be patient with me as I probably am still going to be anxious until we get there and get on that plane. But I owned my own stuff. And so in that moment, I was able to see more clearly why my heart was getting misaligned, what was going on, and to admit it. And my family was 
so much more thankful that I actually could see it and own it. And that's what the Enneagram is going to help us to do. It's going to help us to understand with clarity what's going on, but it's up to us in how we actually use that information. Are we going to use it for harm or are we going to use it for good? So we've been talking a lot again about understanding ourselves, knowing ourselves and being healthy in our styles. In this aspect, I want to, you know, we have so many people in the Ziegler audience who are business owners. Uh, so I'm going to say yes. they're in, they're in sales. I like to use the word, you know, influence, they're, they're influencers. Yeah. Leadership, as you know, is one of the most, I, I, I'm dumbfounded at how prolific that word is, especially on book titles these days that uh, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with it, but you know, sales influence leaders. So as you are, I, I mean, I'm, let's land on just the word influence. You're seeking to influence people as a business owner, as a salesperson, whatever, but you're seeking to influence them, you know, for the better, for their, for their benefit, uh, in, yeah. in an authentic, integrous way. How talk to us about, you know, so it's one thing to know myself, but yes. then you're giving me, you know, to, to be able to know, again, that was one of the benefits that I got early on in doing some of the profiles is to be able to be aware of them and to know that, Oh, I'm talking with somebody and I need to shift my style. So I'm going to, yes. I'm going to, again, I'm going to, I want you to marry this with that aspect of authenticity. So we got the younger crowd saying, no, you got to be authentic to yourself. Okay, sure. But if you want to influence that person who's very different, if you just talk to them, kind of the, if you love people like you want to be loved, then you need to love them and understand how they want to be loved. It first takes some awareness that they're different. And two, it really bodes well to be pretty fluent as an influencer yeah in these styles so you can adjust. But again, you're going to say adjust, not be unauthentic. Exactly. So you can still be your kind of your truer self, like your personality, but like you said, adjust. And that's really actually loving others well. That's what it's really about. You know, so by just saying, oh, this is who I am. I only operate this one way, take it or leave it. That is being selfish. You know, that is not being, you know, Christ-like or even like Paul talked about, you know, being all things to all people. It doesn't mean don't be you. It's okay. What can I offer from myself that is going to benefit someone? And what do I need to adjust so that I can love that person? Well, again, like my husband, if he gets all passionate, it only is going to disrupt me. And how can we meet in the middle? And so what I love with the Enneagram, so like we'll take sales, for instance, and influence. Yeah. The Enneagram can be so powerful. Again, it depends on if our heart is in the right place or the wrong place. But with sales, you can use the Enneagram if you're, let's say, a realtor and yeah. you've got a couple that comes in. Well, you might be, let's say, a type three as a realtor, and you think all your clients care about curb appeal and like the newest, shiniest uh, houses and the the rich houses and the rich neighborhoods and all this stuff. You're going to be wrong. You're going to be dead wrong, and you're going to you, you really would lose upset. me as a client right there. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you're going to, which is a very three like thing. And but if if that three realtor can take a step back and and kind of see almost on his desk, there are nine different glasses with different shades of color and be curious as to what their client is. Now, again, we can't type someone because we don't know why they do what they do, but we can hold some some types maybe loosely. But if you know that your uh, client is a six and let's say a four couple, you're going to 
bring to their attention different things. The six is going to want to make sure everything is safe and secure. They're going to want to know the bones of the house. You know, is this going to, is this going to fall apart? Uh, the four is going to want character. They're going to want to make sure it represents who they are, their creative, unique self. And they're not just going to take a cookie cutter house. They want something that represents them. And if you know that, then you can bring to them a more dialed in version of the sales that they're looking for versus what you think everyone should like. And that's where the Enneagram can be so powerful. So you can take off your lens a little bit. That doesn't mean you're taking them off and you're discarding your own personality. But what you're doing is you're putting someone else's lens and that's compassion, that's empathy, that's grace, that's mercy, that's understanding, that's being Christ-like. Again, you're not getting rid of yourself. You're actually improving relationships by moving towards others. Okay, I have a couple questions on that. And I did not intend to go down this path from a, a professional business standpoint. But it's interesting if you are, goodness, let's say you're a high-end interior designer. And I mean, mm -hmm. you know, high-end. Well, first off, I'm never going to be your client. Just as we talked right. about the shiny thing. I'm just, I'm not ever going to be your client. Can we by proxy say that they should realize, understand, and, and, and be at peace with they're probably going to, again, by proxy, use that word, attract a certain type of yep. personality that yep. they can rest assured in. Okay. Yeah. Be because if they can, they are, they're going to know that may, we're generally not going to get, you know, the, the Kevin Millers and, and the threes and whatever. Um, so we can cater to and, and be solid here. However, you just mentioned a realtor. Realtor is going to get everybody. Yep. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And that's why, so there's going to be some, you know, it's always a bell-shaped curve, right? So that high-end uh, uh, designer, people like me who are nines, and I, actually what you were saying is very more nine-ish. Like I don't want the high-end, high-end is, is three, is image, it's prestige. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I may want a little bit, you know, but it's, I, I don't want to be flashy. I don't want to be showy, but let's say, you know, if you're a type nine and you have lots of money, maybe you'll do what is uh, beneficial for you and others, but it's not about showing off now. So they, it's a bell-shaped curve. Well, it's funny. But gonna, I, it, this is literal because I, I did that. So we have, we have land, uh, we have yeah. lots of, lots of land and a really big house. Okay. That's kind of showy, but the house is as utilitarian as you'll ever see yes. in your entire life. It's kind of a notch above a barn. So, right. Yeah. Exactly. So, and, and so by understanding how each of the types function, what their, uh, what their desires are, what they're looking for, you can really dial it in. But again, it's going to be helpful to know, is there a, a group of people that naturally resonate with what you're offering. So for us, we actually have three types that make up most of what we do in our Enneagram sphere. We don't know if it's because, so it's nines, twos, and ones. Well, is that because I'm a nine? We don't know. I mean, we, there's more research to be done. But what we see is that those are the three types that make up the majority of what we do or who's interested. So why wouldn't we also kind of focus in and make sure those three groups are heard and really cared for in a specific way? Because it makes up most of our groups. So yeah, if you are a high-end designer and you all of a sudden start seeing a lot of sevens and fours and threes and a few other types come out of the word works for you. Well, why? What what are they coming to you for? So being curious about the why and then dialing in your um, your gifts and your abilities to make sure that you're giving them exactly what they want versus what you think they want. Okay. So it, may, it brings to mind a couple thoughts then. So if you are, let's take the realtor, for instance, 
if you're a realtor, and I would say as a business you know, consultant, you would be best off to have a specific niche that you do well. You be the high-end mm-hmm. realtor, or you be the low-end realtor, or you be the realtor that helps people who want to do VRBOs or flip houses or whatever, yep. and know that you're going to get more of a certain type of personality uh, that you can cater to. However, if you're the realtor and you know, say you're the new one, you're gonna take anything you, you can. Right. Yeah. You guys probably, I'm going to say, set this out there and you're probably gonna tell me you already had that. Cause my thought is, okay, I can't necessarily have every single client that comes to my desk do an Enneagram and understand what they are, but I could probably have some type of a personality questionnaire to understand mm-hmm what they want. I, I had a guy and I'll never forget it. Uh, he was pitching me on an investment. He kind of conned me into a lunch and, uh, hit me on an investment. If he had asked two questions, he'd have saved himself 50 bucks for the meal and two hours of our time because I yes. wasn't even remotely, uh, his, yes. his, uh, target market there. Yes. What can we do? Well, is, we, yeah, go ahead. So we have, uh, or one of my close friends, she's a type one, the, the moral perfectionist, what's right, what's wrong, ethics, morals, and she's an organizer, professional organizer. And so I just help her develop kind of a, a form, an Enneagram uh, sheet that helps her to narrow down people's types. Again, unless she's legitimately saying, I want you to figure out your Enneagram type, we can only kind of like get them in maybe a couple of categories. But this has really been helpful for her because a lot of times she wants to pull her hair out as to why is this person not letting go of certain things? And you have to be very careful with that, right? You don't want to, you don't want to overstep your boundaries, but to understand why is key to what she does. Cause if she can understand why and and come through the back door versus straight at it, so much more can happen in her field. So we've kind of set up kind of this template, this assessment that's very loose so that she can kind of gauge where they're coming from. And also just to be very mindful and sensitive to what their needs are. But yeah, I totally think that is a very helpful thing. And it could be, you know, as, as simple as let's say you're a car salesman, you know, and asking certain questions. So do you want a lot of bling? You know, do you want this to be high end? Do you want to shine? Do you just want it to function? You know, what, what, what is your goal? And just asking a lot of why questions. What are you here for? What are you thinking? You'll understand them a lot more. Now, again, some people don't know themselves very well. So you just got to realize that. But the more you can understand what's going on in some inside them, the more you can actually cater to them and excel, whether it's in your sales and your leadership. So for instance, my, um, you know, my type eight COO, I know that she has my back. And if she ever does something that it, let's say it were to feel that it it, it came across to me differently. I know that at the core of who she is, because I know her personality well, that she is trying her best to protect me and to be the leader for me. So if I were to say, Hey, you know, when this happened, I know that your intentions were to protect me, to have my back. So I'm, I'm reaffirming who, what her good intentions are as a person. And then I can say, but it actually kind of landed on me in this other way. Can we talk about that? And so it, it just helps the other person to realize, oh, you see me, you know me, you, you're trying yeah. to bridge this gap. And that's where, instead of me going, what in the world, why did you do that? You know, and seeing it only from my angle, I'm trying to bring her towards me so that we can have that better conversation. It's the same thing you can do with sales as well. Okay. So I'm, yeah, you mentioned sales. I'm thinking about marketing. I had a client long time ago. He's a high end financial advisor. He was asking, how am I going to stand out amongst this financial services business? 
And I said, man, let's don't even go there. There's so much noise and so much competition. Let's figure out where are your people? You know, are they at the country club? Are they at the Porsche dealership? Are they buying investment properties? Let's go find those places and try to connect with them. So back to your friend who is an organizer, same thing. If she understands the personality types and the, the Enneagram, she should know where to find more of her demographic. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I'm never going to hire an organizer, I just, it's not that important, <laughs> you know, to me. So don't, don't, don't market to me. And where am I, you know, maybe I, this is, I'm, this is a big, you know, big leap, but I do mountain bike races. We got people over here, they're, they're risk takers. They're over yeah. here. It's kind of generally more of a wild bunch. Don't go market to those guys. Maybe go market over here to yes. the, uh, you know, miniature airplane crowd who's really into detail and perfectionism Mm -hmm. that we, that in understanding the personality styles and the propensities should help us all with more effective, you said sales marketing. Yeah. Well, and also to dial in with who you are. So for instance, uh, if, so her being a type one personality, she wants things, you know, just so, uh, she wants minimalized things. Why have, uh, 50 forks when you only need 12, you know, well, her client might be like, don't get rid of any of those 50 forks, you know, yeah. and that is going to drain her. And mm. it's not that again, there's sometimes we, we got to take whatever clients we can get, you know, so we're not talking about right. just at that Survival, point, we're talking about right. when you can, when you can filter it and dial it in, you want to find, you want to let people know what your services are about and letting them know what you're going to do so that they upfront know, Hey, my gift and my expertise is taking when you have 50 forks, getting it down to 12. Is that something that you're interested in? You know, and if they're like, I don't want you to touch anything, like you can't get rid of anything. You just can re like move things around the house. That may not be the ideal client for her. Now there might be other types that are professional organizers that they love to work with those people that struggle to get rid of things and to make the the most out of the space they have with what they will keep, like what they won't get rid of. Yeah. And that's someone else's niche. So again, it's, it's also understanding you and your strengths and, and what you do best in and how you can then market to people that will come in alignment to you. For instance, you're not going to find me on a, Instagram or on TikTok or anything, doing a lot of sarcasm and crazy and funny. That's not my personality. If you're looking for that Enneagram party game, then you need to go find some other platform because that's not who I am. So if we can be, in a sense, authentic to who we are, we're going to draw people. Actually, I forgot who said this, but it's like whatever you hook them on is what they stay on. You know, and so if you hook them on something that's not true of you or that's something that's false, then you're just going to keep them. You're going to have to keep them on that same hook that it's not you and you're going to get drained. So try to dial in towards your people who you are and then market to the people that you feel will bring out the best of what you have to offer. That is great. I'm so glad we came to the business again. I didn't uh, perceive coming there, but so beneficial. Well, uh, Beth, I, I, that's why we had you on the show. Um, you bring such good light to, and I think peace and looking at this. Cause yeah, I think people have mm-hmm. used it wrong uh, sometimes or not gotten the benefit out of this. And then yeah. I know that's what you guys provide at your Enneagram coach. So I'll be uh, eager to send people that way. And thank you for taking the time and just giving us insight. And as always, I feel like I, uh, I'm the greatest beneficiary and student uh, of the show here. So uh, thank you. Uh, eager to talk more about it. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. It was so great to be here. 
If you want to further engage with this topic, as I have, Beth McCord is offering us a free Enneagram course at yourenneagramcoach.com. That's your E-N-N-E-A-Gramcoach.com. Coming up in episode 882 of The Ziggler Show, Tom Ziggler and I tackle positive thinking and hope, but from a different angle. Most of us feel that thinking positive is a choice, but due to our upbringing and our past and other predispositions and issues, uh, possibly even genetics to a degree, our brains are more or less hardwired to think positively and, and even accept our efforts to choose positivity and hope. And these are just real issues, and I believe the episode will enable you to better engage with and benefit uh, from your own striving to increase positive thinking and hope in your life. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.